ready for the end of the world. This is your community spirit. Show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit coming at you live and local here on your community radio. My name is Treesong, and I believe we may have a guest with us on the other line. Good day. Yes, good day. Good to hear from you, Or. Yeah. Coming in pretty crisp today. All right. I went, went and bought one of these headphones. Oh, good. So... We got we get to talk a lot about climate change, huh? Yeah, today was a very climate change day, <laughs> which is ironic because I mean here in Southern Illinois we're actually having pretty seasonably appropriate weather. It's a nice spring day. So the first news thing is: Can celebrities in primetime TV make Americans care about climate change? There's this new um, TV series called Showtime about climate change called Years of Living Dangerously. April 13th is the television premiere. Uh, the show features a cast of notable celebrities who set out with scientists, firefighters, and policymakers to explore the front lines of climate change. Huh. What do you think? Of, that sounds interesting. The show's first episode, which is already available online, actually features actor... Dan Seidel, um, traveling to Plainville, Texas, where he discusses climate change and drought with um, a climate scientist and her husband. This is actually interesting. She's a climate scientist, and her husband's an evangelical preacher. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I've I was being an overachiever this week, and I actually saw the online version already. I thought it was very well done. I mean, it takes you know it takes yeah. the production values of sort of a TV drama, you know, and the title even, you know, Years of Living Dangerously, coming up on Showtime. It makes it very exciting and interesting for the viewer, but it also does a really good job of exploring uh, some of the science and also some of the human impacts and ecological impacts. I mean, I've only seen the one episode so far, so it's hard to say how all nine will go, but I thought they did a really good job of trying to draw in the viewer. It does It does make me wonder, though, if we're reaching the the signs of the apocalypse that the the mainstream media and the mainstream TV channels are starting to talk about climate change for real now. Yeah, so you can definitely check that out online for free right now if you want to, and we'll keep you updated on how it goes in case you don't see it. Because I'm definitely going to watch the whole thing and see what they have to say about climate change. Let's speak of you, Well, the, f- the first episode is already available online, so... Yeah, I thought that was a really bold move of them, you know, they're... They're a, it's showtime, so it's, you know, a paying cable channel. So they could make you pay to see it, but they're giving it away for free. And it is, you know, kind of an ad for them. They kind of want you to get excited about the show and then subscribe to their channel. But even so, it's, it's good to see an entire hour of the show being given for free because it's information people need to know. Yeah. And I mean, it officially premieres this Sunday at 10 p.m. on um, Showtime. Hey, yeah. we're promoting TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you don't, if you're not a TV person, you know, you can check it out online. 
All right, though, so let's see. This is other... That is the science fact aspect, so now we've got a story that's actually about science fiction. Climate change, the hottest thing in science fiction. Now, post-elliptic... Po- excuse me, I'm usually pretty good at saying that. Post-apocalyptic science fiction isn't new. But you may have noticed an uptick in books set in the wake of some kind of major climate disaster. Some call it cli-fi, like sci-fi, but for the climate, cli-fi. Cli-fi, that's <laughs> yeah. fun. Yeah, I'm on my Wi-Fi reading about cli-fi, a genre of sci-fi. <laughs> so it's, sci- it's not sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not sci-fi. It's coming at you real here on WDBX. But yeah, so cli-fi is sci-fi infused with the increasingly frightening impacts of climate change. The trope has deep roots, says science fiction scholar uh, Istvan... Uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this Russian name correctly. Istvan Sirsi Rone. And uh, this, he says that so cli-fi has been creeping out of the fantasy and science fiction sections of bookstores and libraries and into the mainstream. Margaret Atwood's Mad Adam trilogy, for example, which I've actually read. That's a very good trilogy. Uh, it's everywhere. It's a very popular... It's on the bookshelves in, you know, regular bookstores. <laughs> and that the Mad Adam trilogy is about GMOs. It's, you know, the future where GMOs have gone wrong. And one of the really interesting things about it is that it blurs the line between fact and fiction. Like, it has all of these sort of fanciful, like, made-up mixes of other animals... But it's also got things like, you know, the goats that they added spider genes to in order to get some spider filaments in the milk. Uh, that was a real one that they put in the book. So, you know, it's a mix of re- reality and fiction in order to get you thinking about reality. It's very sly, really, when you think about it. Here's this fun book. <laughs> by the way... Well, it's fun, too, yeah. Yeah, it's fun, it's interesting, and by the end of it, you're thinking, wow, we need to take care of these issues our society is facing. <laughs> Yeah, so cli-fi is getting some interest from folks who are not necessarily interested in science fiction, usually, uh, says the the author we mentioned earlier, an English professor at DePaul University in Indiana and co-editor of Science Fiction Studies. For some people, it may be even sort of a gateway into science fiction. You know, like, I was already into science fiction, but if I weren't and I heard about a book about climate change, you know, I would read that anyway, even, even though it's not my usual genre. And the history they were talking about earlier, the Russians uh, have been pioneering in this genre. They had a category back in the late 19th century and the early 20th century that was called If This Goes On Fiction. So fiction that's kind of a warning. It's dystopian fiction that if we continue what we're doing right now uh, we don't and we don't stop, then this is what's going to happen. So it's really interesting to see that coming up with the climate change and cli-fi because there are a lot of trends that are continuing that, you know, I try to be positive about it, but if we do absolutely nothing and continue with our current path, there are a lot of disastrous consequences. So fiction is a way of exploring that because it's hard for people to imagine sometimes like, oh, what will it actually be like if the oceans rise 20 feet? (laughs) You know, it's just an idea. People don't know what to think of that. But if they read a story about this this person who goes through this journey in this landscape where everything is underwater, that may give them some sort of sense of what it would be like. As you can tell, I'm enthusiastic about cli-fi. I myself am an <laughs> author of cli-fi. So I, I was glad to see it in the news. And hopefully 
people keep reading and commenting on it. It's another way of exploring what's going on with climate change. Well, it's nice to see something positive and fun. Um, oil companies would rather let trains explode than cooperate with the feds. As federal officials work frantically to reverse an uptick in explosions and oil spills from crude hauling trains, the companies that are fracking the crude and transporting it by rail are responding with, well, an unhelpful collective shrug. It's like, I mean, uh, lawmakers and regulators want company from the oil companies about their rail shipments. Now, wait a second. They want it. I thought it was the law that they're required to give this information before they just transport it through our communities. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. You know, transporting uh, unknown hundreds of thousands of gallons of substances <laughs> through communities we live in. You'd think they'd have to, you know, have some sort of plan for safety. It seems the oil companies are more worried about keeping corporate secrets than protecting Americans from their explosive loads. Um, the Hill, quote, just last month before the commerce community, the crude oil industry assured us that they were focused on safety and willing to work on the issue. Senator Jay Rockefeller, Democrat from West Virginia, said in a statement, since then I've seen nothing to convince me this is more than just lip service, unquote. Um, Rockefeller said he and other legislators had re- received assurances from the American Petroleum Institute that the crude industry was on board with the push to increase the safety of oil trains. Okay, um, so they're pushing to increase the safety, but they're continuing to allow it to be transported. Yeah. They want safer, destructive things going through our communities. (laughs) Speaking of destructive, unsafe things... Have you heard about Fox News? I've heard about Fox News. I try not to. How's that segue? (laughs) Yeah. I've heard about Fox News. I try not to pay too much attention to them. It sort of hurts my brain. But if they have news in their name, legally, do they have to actually do news? Well, that's actually been explored legally. I mean, not necessarily. They don't necessarily have to tell the truth. (laughs) Just because they've got the word news in their name. And, you know, this... It's been explored before, but this is a new example of information research on that fact. Only 28% of Fox News climate segments are accurate. I guess even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? So according to a Pew study released last year, 38% of U.S. adults watch cable news. Oh, that's a lot. I wonder if, I wonder if they count the Daily Show and Colbert Report as cable news. I don't know. If if you add that in there, it's probably more. Uh, so if you want to know why so many Americans deny or doubt the established science of climate change, the content they're receiving on cable news may well point the way. Now, according to a new study by the Union of Concerned Scientists, misinformation about climate change on cable news channel is pretty common. The study found that last year, 30% of CNN's climate-related segments were misleading, compared with 72% for Fox News and just 8% for MSNBC. The study methodology was quite strict. Segments that contained, quote, any inaccurate or misleading representation of climate science were classified as misleading. 
I mean, that almost sounds like a journalistic standard. <laughs> that if you have misinformation anywhere in your newscast, it's considered misinformation. The whole thing is spoiled. <laughs> so, well, I mean, the main thing they seem to be doing is not themselves doing misinformation, but they reference studies and climate science that is not accurate. Yeah. And I mean, that's how they get off I mean, the hook for a lot of it. They just, they're just like, oh, we invite this person on here to hear their perspective. And their perspective happens to be inaccurate and full of errors. And then they give them most of the newscast in order to talk about that. So yeah, let's see. 14 Fox, in 2013, 14 Fox News segments referencing climate science were entirely accurate. That's, that's actually for Fox. That's pretty impressive. Well, 36 contain misleading statements. So, yeah, mostly misleading. And for MSNBC, it was 121 that were entirely accurate, while 11 had misleading. So, yeah, the, the UCS report found that more than half of the channel's misleading content was due to The Five, a program where the hosts regularly argue against climate science. So in that one, it is the hosts themselves who are arguing against climate science. For instance, Greg Gutfield, one of the show's regular co-hosts, charged on September 30th that, quote, experts pondered hiding the news that the Earth hadn't warmed in 15 years, despite an increase in emissions. They concluded that the heat missing heat was trapped in the ocean. It's like blaming gas on the dog if the ocean was your dog. <laughs> so they're, they're comparing climate change with, like, you know, a dog has gas and you blame the dog. I don't even know what they're doing there. <laughs> I mean, I suppose there's an entertainment value in watching them make all of these errors, but that's about it. I'm glad that they're doing a study about it, though, because it's there's this contention that goes on where, you know, Fox News says, oh, we've got all accurate information, and MSNBC says, well, we've got accurate information, and people at home, they're like, well, I don't know. This guy seems pretty animate. Maybe he's telling the truth. You know, why would he be so eager about it if he's just making it up? So that's, well, it's really easy if you just flip your mentality and re realize we're in one of those one of those wacky worlds where you know Fox News is comedy and Comedy Central does the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in. I don't know. We're in either a Tom Tomorrow comic or we're in Bizarro World from Superman. <laughs> that's the one I was trying to think of. Bizarro World. Yeah. It's like, well, if this is Bizarro World, then you know I should be the the anti climate change <laughs> superhero but luckily I'm, I am in favor of this dialogue about climate change it's just too bad that Fox is still getting the facts wrong but that's why you know we have community radio so that you can find other sources of information yeah and hopefully some entertainment too I know we can't be quite as wacky as uh, some of the anchors on Fox News but we do our best oh just keep working on it Song. I don't think you, you. The rest of the world doesn't have to own all the wackiness. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, in the battle against proposed coal terminals, you are kicking butt. Companies that want to build punking coal export terminals in Washington State have put out an industry-wide mayday after a string of similar proposed projects were defeated 
and fierce local opposition from activists and neighbors. I mean, this is one of the interesting things that's been happening recently is we no longer can burn the really highly pollutive coal in the U.S., mm-hmm. so they're trying to figure out ways to export it. Yeah. Um, opponents of such projects are worried about climate change and local air pollution and congestion. And now the terminal developers are worried that they are staring down complete and utter defeat. The Missoulin reports on a delightful tidbit from an energy conference last week. Developers said Wednesday they're politically outmatched in their battle to build two coal ports in Washington State, and they're begging for help from Montana industry. That means letters, online comments, and even trips to hearings in the Pacific Northwest where regulators are conducting an unprecedented environmental review. Did that just say an unprecedented environmental review? Yeah. Yes, it did. <laughs> Developers said this during Montana Energy 2004 in Billings. So it was like an energy conference. Quote, lots and lots of ground-level organizing, and I'll tell you the opposition is better at it than we are, said Wendy Hutchinson of Millennial Bulk Terminals, which is seeking to build um, a dock in the Columbia River in, um, you know, up in Washington State. So Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if she'll get in trouble for admitting that the opposition's doing better. <laughs> well, I think it was supposed to be a closed conference. I mean, here's another quote. We can either stand alone and fall, said Bud Clinch, director of the Montana Coal Council, or we can become a team and help each other. So, um, I guess this is just, um, well, it's just telling the people who are trying to stop the coal export uh, terminals, the protesters there, just don't let down your guard because it's working. Yeah, it's working. It's successfully keeping them out of the region. And, and because of it, they're going to try to mount another attack and try again to get it back in there. But for now, the activist organizing has been effective. And those are always the good stories to hear. <laughs> I mean, there's always... Well, it's, it's funny that it takes, you know, people doing protest and activism to get it so that the standard, you know, environmental safety process happens. Yeah. I mean... You know, it's... I mean, a big part of it is, I mean, that's been happening locally with the... What do you call it? Them trying to open those mines where they started opening it before they even got permission. Yeah, over at Rocky Branch. Yep. Yeah, well, they know. And so it took, yeah. Yeah, they know people are going to be upset about it, so they just try to push it through before anyone can mount the effective resistance. And they're mounting it out there, and we can mount it here, too. It's always good to hear good news like that, though. The actual effects from the organizing efforts we do. Hopefully there'll be more of the same. Yeah, and if you hear of any good organizing efforts going on, you can email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. All right, so let's get into some holidays and some happenings. Today is 8-Track Tape Day. Do you remember 8-Track Tapes? I kind of remember them. I was I was never alive when they were popular still, really. Or at least I, I don't remember being alive when they were yeah. popular. But, uh, I remember cassette tapes. Yeah, I remember cassette tapes. I actually had, when I was young, I had some cassette tapes. 
And I remember my dad having eight track tapes and one, you know, sort of playing with them, wondering what they were. <laughs> so it's also a barbershop quartet day. So if you can find an eight track tape with a barbershop quartet on it, you will be on top of the world. Well, and it's National Submarine Day, so play an eight track of a barbershop quartet in a submarine. Yeah. If you Visualize can, that. Yeah. <laughs> if you can pull that off, we'll have you here on the radio next week as a special guest. Yeah. Call us in while you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday is Big Wind Day, but it's also Russian Cosmonaut Day. Um, I don't think if you're a Russian cosmonaut, do you want to let out a big wind? Cause it would, like, <laughs> f- be fouled the whole p- location. So yeah. don't do those simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to filter the air up there in space. All right, Sunday is Scrabble Day. Um, maybe it's also a day for all the other word games. I like word games from time to time. Monday is Ex-Spouse Day and also International Moment of Laughter Day. Yes. Um, if you laugh at your spouse, that would probably cause you to get the ex. But. <laughs> yeah, or if you laugh at your ex-spouse, that'll be quite a fun day. <laughs> yeah, it's like... It's also look up at the sky day. So if you look up at the sky and see something funny, you can celebrate Athi. It's, let's see, Titanic Remembrance Day coming up on Tuesday. And Wednesday is National Librarian Day. Librarians do very important work here in Carbondale and here around the rest of the world. It's not just about handing you your books, you know. Yeah. It's so much more. And you can stop by Carbondale Public Library and Morris Library and all the other ones in the area. Find out what librarians do. Wednesday is also National Stress Awareness Day. So you can either go get a book to be aware of your stress or you read a book and that alleviates your stress. So it works out. But don't be noisy in the library because then you'll stress out the librarian. And Thursday is blah, blah, blah day. So as you're hearing us read these holidays, you're probably starting to go blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Well, Thursday is National Cheese Ball Day, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Oh, and National High Five Day on Thursday also, so be sure to high five people. So what about happenings? Is there anything happening here in Southern Illinois? I feel like there is. (laughs) Now through April 25th, there's the For Kids Sake Art Auction at the Long Branch Cafe. I really love this event. It's the 14th annual, and it's kids make art, and then people buy that art, and the money goes to help kids. Yeah. It goes to help orphanage um, orphans in Bangladesh. So, um, And so, yes, the show is up right now. You can bid on the art, and the, um, the closing reception is Friday, April 25th. Yeah. It's great for everyone, for the child artists, for the children who get the benefits, for the people who get the art. That's a good deal. We also have another annual event going on right now. It's the Sale to Fight World Hunger, Legacy of Margie Parker. It is already starting today and also happening tomorrow over at Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church on 400 East Main in Carbondale. Church Women United announces the 40th annual Sale to Fight World Hunger. It's a giant yard sale and auction, and it started today at, uh, uh, start, oh, okay, it's starting today at noon, so you've still got time to get there at noon when all the bargains are still there. You get the first picks. 
So it's uh, man, we have breaking news on our show. <laughs> yeah. So wow. noon to six p.m. today, you can head over there and see what goodies they have. And then Saturday, from eight a.m. to one p.m., there's a live auction on Saturday at ten a.m. And there's also a boutique there. There's all sorts of just about. I've been there before. Just about everything you can imagine of, you know, that you would imagine at a yard sale, thrift sale, anything like that, is going to be out there. Last year, they raised close to ten thousand dollars to support eight local and six worldwide agencies that feed hungry people. And since 1975, the sale has been supported by churches and the community, raising over $246,000 over the years. So that's pretty exciting. Now it says information about donating to an auction, but it doesn't say when the auction is. Yeah. So they they have um, an auction going on also, probably for the larger items. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, the auction, I believe, is... Let's see here. Yeah, the auction is held Saturday at 10 a.m. And for more information, you can call 618-521-0631. They can tell you anything more about the auction. They could also use more volunteers. There's always a lot to do there over at the hunger sale. So you can get there in time by noon for the start of it. Or, you know, if you're at work right now, you could stop by later today or tomorrow. Today's a busy weekend. Protest Ringling Brothers at SIU, the cruelest show on earth. The cruelest show on earth. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the SIU Arena. Now, after 2013 being an animal circus-free year in Carbondale, SIU is once again bringing back Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus for 2014. Um... Circuses easily get away with routine, systematic abuse because no government agency actually monitors them. Tentative schedule for fun, peaceful protests are Friday at 5.30, Saturday at 9.45, 1.30 and 5.30 p.m., and Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Yeah, yeah, and I'm planning on going this afternoon, I mean... People like seeing the animals do the tricks, and, you know, I've actually been to a circus when I was younger, and, you know, it's fun seeing animals do all these interesting things, but they don't think about the fact that the animals may be mistreated in order to uh, make them do the tricks. And in the case of Ringling Brothers, it's known that they're uh, suffering from that. So, but I like the fact that they're responding to it with something, you know, fun. They're going to have, like, uh, art there, like you can... They'll have, like, drawing and coloring books and such for things to do instead of going to the circus. So you can have fun celebrating animals instead of going in there and seeing what's going on with the abuse. All right, so we've got time for another one here. Spring Cleanup and Recycling Day. It's coming up on Saturday from 8 a.m. to noon at Turley Park. This is another annual event. We've got a lot of good annual traditions here in southern Illinois. So coming up on Saturday, Keep Carbonate Beautiful will be at Turley Park for the annual Spring Cleanup and Recycling Day. They start at 8 a.m., they come there, they register, and they go out to all of these areas, these locations around town, to collect the litter and the recyclables. Bags are then left on the street corners for the city crews to pick up. The workday ends with a lunch and distribution of T-shirts. You get a great free T-shirt for participating, and you get a lunch, and you get the pride of knowing that you've helped clean up all the litter and all the recyclables out there. Yeah, I mean, each year there's usually over a couple hundred people who pick up, you know, about a ton. Like, 
actual weight, not just a ton of trash, but yeah. actual ton of trash. Literally a ton of trash. <laughs> and then recycling also. And they separate them out. Um, and, of course, the same numbers are expected if they get the same amount of volunteers. So Yeah. All right, we've got... Uh, We've got time for one more here. The Southern Illinois AIDS Walk is coming up. Uh, also on Saturday at 11 a.m. at the SIUC Newman Center, 715 South Washington. They're going to have a health fair at 10 a.m. and the walk starts at 11 a.m. Proceeds go to support 150 low-income households impacted by HIV AIDS in the 19 southernmost counties of Illinois. Uh, please register at CarbondaleAidsWalk.org, and you can form a team to raise money, or you can volunteer or be a sponsor. Um, again, CarbondaleAidsWalk.org. Yeah. And there's lots of other ones we didn't have time for today. There's the community garden going on over at Sufi Park. If you want to have a community garden plot at Sufi Park, you can call 618-713-1378. There's the farmer's market going on tomorrow, 9 a.m. to noon. There's all sorts of goodies. It's a good time to be in southern Illinois. Yeah, it sounds like an exciting weekend. Yes. <laughs> I think spring is here. All right. Yes, spring is definitely here. Well, thanks for calling in with us, Or. It's always good to hear you across the ocean. <laughs> and we will do. I'll talk with you guys again next week. Yes, and we will see you here next week on the radio. In the meantime, enjoy the lovely weather wherever you are.